Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. God, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity to grow in your word and grow in our relationships. And Father, I just thank you that um, you go before us, that you would allow this to bring honor to your name and that it would not just be information, but that it would be revelation that leads to transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Have you ever ever been driving uh, somewhere that you're unfamiliar, where you don't know what the speed limit is, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, okay. So we're on vacation this, this one time, and we're cruising along, and there's not a lot of cars. For whatever reason, there's not a lot of cars. There's like three or four lanes, um, and I have no idea what the speed limit is. So we're cruising along, and, and we're coming up on a police officer. Now, I'm one of those people that I pass police officers if I'm not speeding. Like, I'm not going to slow down because they're driving slow. So if, if, if you're one of the people that no matter how slow a police officer is going, you don't pass them, get over. But anyways, so, so I'm like, I think, I look at Becca and I go, what's the speed limit? And she goes, I don't know. And so we, we're driving and I'm like, I don't, I mean, we're slowly passing this police officer, and I'm like, I, I, I honestly have no idea what the speed limit is here. There's no other cars to gauge it. There's not a speed limit sign. So we're just, we're just passing this car, and this, this officer's on the right-hand side in their, in their squad car, and we pass, and, and I'm looking over, and Becca goes, He's, they're signaling, and I'm like, I'm thinking it's like the woo-woo signal, and I look over, and, and the police officer just look, goes, and I'm like, oh. Okay, I, am, I, am I speeding? Like, I, I don't even know. So, I mean, at that moment, he was on the side, like I said, on my right side, and uh, the officer was actually exiting. So the officer exits, and they go off that way, and I'm like, oh, what? Were, were, we, like, like, were we speeding? So we were going like, I don't remember the exact speed that we were going, but I remember that when we saw the next speed limit, we were going 25 miles an hour over the speed limit. <laughs> And I was like, oh, like I didn't, I didn't know. I, I, thank you for, I didn't know. I wasn't trying. But he was so confident in it. <laughs> you know? He's like, he's like, here we go, here we go. And then we're like, oh. Um, but I bring that up because, you know, we're talking about marriage this morning. And sometimes I think a lot of our ideas about marriage, we just kind of gather them as we go down the road of life. We, we get some of our ideas from grandma and grandpa because they had this wonderful marriage and we think, man, I'd, I'd love that. Or an older brother and sister or aunt and uncle or our parents uh, or, or heaven forbid, a TV show or, or who knows what. But we just, we don't even know exactly why or where all of these ideas come from, but we have ideas and expectations of what marriage should be. So what I want to talk about this morning is what God designed marriage to be. A little bit of a, a check. For some of you, it might be like, a, hey, you need to slow down, or maybe you need to speed up, or maybe you need to change a little bit of what you're doing. Because so often we go through, and if we're not careful, we let the world just kind of, we just get carried along with what the world is doing. Romans, Romans says this in Romans 12 too, it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you, change you into a new person, okay, by the way that you think. 
So often what we want God to do is we want like magic wand. Like I would love magic wand. Like magic wand, and you're like, God, I don't want to be, you know, I just don't want to talk that way anymore, and I don't like that I did that, and I lost my cool, and God's like, magic wand, poof. And you're like, thank you, I prayed and it's done, and God's like, no, no, we're going to, you, you want to change? You're going to change by changing the way that you think, that yeah. you would be transformed, we would be transformed by the way that we think. Yeah, you know, when, when, when that talks about the world as well, when it talks about culture and how we're, how we're shaped, that can be a little bit sneaky because really what it is is anything that's opposed to the word of God. And so it might be close friends who are giving you advice. It might be experts. There are a lot of experts who give advice that do not stand on the Bible at all. It might be family, um, and certainly we know it's culture as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it could even be a godly couple or a godly person, but this area of their life that you're mimicking because you think, well, what they're doing is so great, but in that area, they're just dead wrong. Rat poison is 99% food. Hmm. It's the 1% that kills you. So we just want to be careful. So what we want to do is we look at what God has to say about marriage and kind of unpacking that because God's ways are different. Isaiah 55 says, for just the heavens are higher than the earth. That's a long way. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's God. So he has a different way of talking about marriage. Now, as we talk about marriage, we're going to focus a lot on this because most of you in here, you are married or you will get married. That, that is the majority of people at some point. However, understand this. Single is not broken. Single is not a sub-person. Well, they're a little bit less than. Uh, years ago when I, was, when I was going through college, I got a job for a very short time as a, as a waiter um, at TGI Fridays. And yeah, it was, pretty, it was very short. It was fun. Anyways, and Joel's just laughing at that. Um, and one of the things is I had to host for a little bit as we were learning the menu and all of this stuff and going through training. And they're like, now, if, if somebody comes in and they're by themselves, they're like, we don't say, um, will you be dining alone? They're like, we, we don't say that. I don't remember all the verbiage. They were like, but do not. If you're going to greet people, if somebody comes in by themselves, you're not like, just one? Like, don't do that. Okay? Um, and I'm like, why? Like, why? And anyways, it, it didn't make sense to me, but there is in our culture a little bit, and in some circles more than others, I totally understand that, there is an idea that if you're not married, whether it's divorced or you were never married or single or widowed, widowed or whatever it is, that it's like, mm, too bad. Um, but I, I want to kind of, I want to read 1 Corinthians, and what it says, I want you to hear how God views single, how God views those who are not yet married. This is 1 Corinthians 7. It says this, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please him. It's talking about if you're single, if you are not married, you're not trying, your whole goal, you're not broken. He's like, look, what you should be doing is spending your time doing the Lord's work, 
thinking about how to please God. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. When you get married, there's some different responsibilities that come. And then kids show up and you're like, boom, more responsibility. It's different. And God's like, hey, you're not a subculture. Let's keep going. Verse 34. His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place a restriction on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he is treating his fiancée improperly and he will be inevitably given into his passions, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not wrong. It is not a sin. Verse 37. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there's no urgency and he can control his passions, he does well not to marry. Verse 38. So the person who marries his fiancée does well and the person who does not marry does even better. Why? Why is it better? He's like, because... You can wholeheartedly pursue the things of God without another distraction. Single is not a sub, it is a super category of people that God, if, if you're like, no, I, I feel called to that, then here's what that means. If you feel called to remain single, then you're called to wholeheartedly serve after God without distraction. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, I want to leverage my availability for the kingdom of God. It's, it's not broken. It's not less than. It's not half. And, and if you guys have been here very long, then you've heard this. Because every time we talk about marriage, it's not two halves becoming whole when you get married. The Bible says it's two becoming one. Yeah. It's not, well, you complete me. <laughs> no. No, that, that's not what, I was complete. She was complete. We came together and now we're one. How does that work? The Bible says it's a mystery. Yeah, I think that the thing is, whether we get married or whether we stay single, it, we are told to seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6, 33. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. Um, Mark 12 tells us this. This is Jesus talking. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So we are to prioritize God as first, no matter what it is that we choose. And the Bible makes it clear that there is a choice. Absolutely. So marriage, it's God's idea. And it is awesome. If you're not married, that's okay. So leverage your time to build the kingdom of God. So what that means is if you're single and you're like, well, I do want to get married, then what you should do is you should find somebody who's doing exactly what this says, who's already leveraging their singleness to build the kingdom of God. You can usually find those people in church, just so you know. Like, they're there. Jesus said, I will build my church. I believe with all of my heart that if you want to be at the forefront of what God is doing in the world today, then you need to be a part of building a local church. Maybe not this one. There's lots of great churches. Find one, plug in, make it your own, build it. Yeah, so I, there's a book that came out and I read it in the last couple of days and I thought, this is really fascinating. And then I found out it literally came out Valentine's Day and it's based on nationwide data from 2021, 2022, and then all the previous years. And one of the things I found that was really fascinating is it said this. It says, when it comes to shared faith, there's greater marital happiness. So this is what it, it told us. It said, if you regularly 
regularly attend religious services together, this is two to three times a month or more, it says that 84% of husbands are very happy in their marriage, 80% of wives. If you occasionally attend, it's 74% of husbands, 75% of wives. And if you never or rarely attend religious services together, or if you're non-religious, then it's 68%. That's a 20 percent gap in marital satisfaction if you attend regularly, if you attend church regularly. And so when he says, you know, look for somebody in church, look for somebody who's already built it into the fabric of their lives because marital satisfaction across the board is better when you are a part of the same faith and in the same body of believers and you worship together regularly. Yeah, that, that's not a Christian that put out that book. No. It's just somebody, he's like just, just looking at marriage as a whole. So when you think about, wow, it's that much, that much better if you're in church? Yeah. And that's all churches, the good ones and the bad ones. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just all of them. And that's they're, they're, all thrown in that pot. And um, you find a good church, I'm like, it's got to be better. It doesn't say that in the book, but I'm like, it's got to be better. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced um, that it would definitely be better. So let's look at what God has to say and how God wants to define and what he talks about when it comes to marriage, because marriage is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I love being married. Um, the whole like, hey, be single and it's so much more fun. Uh, I, I never thought that at all. My, my, I love being married. I say my only regret is, is, not, is not meeting and marrying Becca sooner. Um, and not because like we met and then we like took a long time. We, we met and we got married. We, we were married six months later. To the day. Yeah. So Valentine's Day was our 19 year anniversary of meeting. Yeah. So um, can I tell a story quickly? Yeah. So when we had known each other for two weeks, he asked my dad if he could marry me. And then my dad was like, okay, cool. Well, not cool. That was not what he said. He wasn't like cool. Um, but he decided when we had brought this to him, he's like, oh, she need, uh, he needs to be able to meet her brother and her grandpa. And so my brother and grandpa were down in Florida, and I was already planning to go down to Florida. And so we went down, and my parents uh, sent Samuel down. And I think my dad thought that my older brother and my grandpa would kind of slow all of this down and we're spending time with my grandpa and my grandma had died six months prior and they had one of the best marriages I had ever seen. So we get down there and he's like, let's go. He's like, let's go, let's go get married right now. Her let's grandpa. Go, my grandpa. He's like, you guys need to get married right now. I'm going to take you to the county courthouse <laughs> and we're going to get you married. And this we is going to be like, awesome. I was like, let's do this. Yeah. I, I was sold. I was like, he's come like, on. Yeah. He's, he's like, the only thing I regret with your grandma is not marrying her sooner. I should not have waited so long. We need to go right now. It's going to be awesome. And so we almost did get married in you know, three A little three bit weeks. faster. It's true. It's true. It's true, but we had, yeah, uh, we'd had a lot more babies, that's for sure. Okay, okay. So anyways, back to the Bible. All right. <laughs> so how does God, does, the, the big difference so that you are going to see in God's view of marriage versus the world is, is right here. Ready? Here's what it is. It's contract verse covenant. Everybody say contract. Okay, everybody say covenant. Okay, this side over here. This side over here. I want all of you to say contract. Okay, this side over here, all of you say covenant. You guys are right. You guys are wrong. Okay, there. Okay, so that is the big difference. Genesis 2-2, two, two, 
God invented marriage. God invented it. Um, before there was any legal system, before there were contracts, God invented marriage, Genesis 2-2. This explains why a man will leave his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. This is talking about Adam and Eve. This is marriage. This is marriage. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 6, they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together. Everybody say God. God. God joins them together. Not a marriage license. God joins them together. Doesn't matter where you get married. Doesn't matter if it's in some big, huge hall, a barn down the corner, a backyard, a coffee shop, my living room, or a roller rink. I've done weddings in all of those places. Um, None of that matters. It's God who joins them together. It's God who joins them together. And what does that mean? What is it that he does? It is a covenant. Proverbs 2 verse 17 says this, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant that she made before God? Talking about a woman who left her husband. It says, look, she's ignoring the covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Malachi says this in verse 2, it is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. It is a covenant. So what, it, what is a covenant? Well, this Hebrew word is this berith. And here's what it means. It is a divine, not a man-made, it's not a law that was passed. It is a divine constitution or ordinance with signs and pledges. Marriage is a covenant. In a contract, here's some differences. In a contract, you try to limit your liabilities and your responsibilities. Like this, this is the line. This is, this is as far as I'll go. I won't cross it. That, that, that's a contract. You try to protect your rights and you sign a piece of paper. Well, a contract, that's one thing. A, a covenant is sacrificial. A covenant is lifelong, and in a covenant, you give up rights and assume responsibilities. You give up rights and assume responsibilities, and a covenant is sealed with blood. A covenant is what marriage is. And so the, the world can say what it wants about marriage, and it can try to de- redefine it and make it whatever it wants, but it was never theirs in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's always been God's. Yeah. It's God's. And he says, what God has joined together. God is the one that joins them together. Now there is, in God's word, there is room for divorce. There's reasons. It's like, hey, it, um, if they're not taken care of, they're not fulfilling their marital duties. It's like, yes, there are grounds for divorce. Uh, but it's God that joins together. Yeah, I saw something in 2023, and it was, you know, just a reel, and it was meant to be funny, and you kind of laugh, but what she said is she said, there are three places that I'm not going in 2024. She said, I'm not going above and beyond, the extra mile, or out of my way, 
And I just, you know, immediately I was thinking about marriage and how when that is what culture is putting out, like I'm, I'm all about me. I'm all, I'm all about what gets me the best things. You know, I look at this and I think we're going to flip the script on that as, as a church. We will go above and beyond. Colossians 3.23 tells us that we are to be excellent in everything that God calls us to do. We will go the extra mile because Matthew 5.41 says if I'm forced to go one, I'll actually even go two. And we will go out of our way because I'm to love my neighbor as myself. And First um, Peter 4.10 says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Every single thing that I've been given, I've been given in order to serve others. And here's the thing, God does not go where we are honored. He, he resides where he is honored. Romans 12, 11 says that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. So I show honor to God first and foremost, and then I don't, I don't sit here and say, honor me, honor me, honor me. I go out of my way to honor him. The Bible actually says that we're to take delight in honoring each other. And the result is awesome. The result of serving, here's the thing. The world says don't serve because what if they walk over? What if they walk over? What if you're sweet and nice and kind and loving and forgiving and giving? And what if they walk all over you? What if they do? What if they do? It's, if she walks all over me, I don't think it's a bad thing. Now that being said, um, I lead our house, but it doesn't mean that I'm a jerk all the time. <laughs> I'm sure I am sometimes. Um, but it's not necessary. That's just because I don't do it right all the time. You know, and, and loving sacrificially doesn't mean not having a voice. Uh, I know very many of you, and I think you probably know that I'm a rather strong woman with rather strong opinions, um, who married a rather strong man with rather strong opinions. And we have a great marriage. Um, I think loving sacrificially doesn't mean not bringing things up. It doesn't mean not addressing things that we see as important in our marriage, particularly if we have already submitted those things to God. If I've submitted something to God, when, I, when you look at the word for Holy Spirit, it's the same word that's used for the wife in submission to her husband, and it's meant to be a helper. We are meant to help, and here's the thing. My number one goal with Samuel is to make sure when he gets to the gates of heaven, God looks at him and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I fully believe I'm going to see that. But I won't see that just by letting him walk all over me. I have to say, how do I help him to be the most godly person that he can in gentleness? Right? We're to be, Ephesians 4.32 says that we are to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We don't want to, I don't want to smash him down, um, but I also want to help him be the, the version of him that God wants him to be, and I want him to be more and more Christ-like every single day. Um, and yeah, that's part of, I think, loving sacrificially isn't just never saying anything, um, how many of you ever heard the expression, the honeymoon's over? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay. Um, what that typically means is, like, it's after you get married, and 
the, it, it just got real, okay, because you disagreed about something or somebody wasn't happy about something or somebody did something without asking, some expectation was not met, it's like, well, the honeymoon's over. Um, let me kind of explain it this way. Uh, before you get married, when you're dating, if, if that other person, imagine it this way. Imagine that when, when I'm taking Becca out and we're hanging out and I'm, I'm showing her my good side and I'm taking care of her and I'm loving her and we're playing together and, and we're going kayaking and we're having fun and, and we're, we're eating meals, we're doing this and I'm taking care of her and I'm listening to what she has to say and, and, and laughing at, at some of the stuff and we're dreaming and we're talking together. All of those things, here's what I'm doing. I'm making deposits in her love bank. Mm-hmm. And when we're, when we're dating... We make a lot of deposits and usually very few withdraws. A withdraw is the didn't meet an expectation. A withdraw is, you know, lost it on, on, uh, while driving down the road and yelled at the car next to me, even though they couldn't hear me, but she was in the car and she heard it. And she's like, whoa, is it, what, what does this all indicate? Like, is he crazy? No, I just really, they needed to hear me. Um, <laughs> So it, your, your withdrawals might be a little bit different. So, so that whole, the honeymoon is over comes into place. And he, here's where that comes in. It's different in every marriage. I would say for us, we went a full, at least a year after we were married uh, without experiencing the honeymoon is over. Here, here's, here's, here's what causes that to happen. It's when we have made more withdrawals then we have deposits. It's when all of a sudden something happens and, and we go to make a withdrawal because of something. Because I'm late and I didn't call. You had this already and I, I didn't do it. It was a big deal to you, but I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. And, and we go to make a withdrawal, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's no cushion because I haven't been making more deposits than withdraws, and all of a sudden, her love bank is empty. You know, I think a really good way to illustrate this is actually if you think about uh, your car, right? I can't say, well, I put, car, I put gas in my car three years ago and be frustrated that it's not running. You know, our cars run because we continually put gas in them. First Peter 4, 8 says this. It says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. We're to continue in that. And, and that might change over time. When our kids were really young, acts of service were very important to me because I had five kids and there was a lot to get done and I, I just needed help. And so he had to give in that way. And now it's like, oh, I really want a back rub. Like that's, I don't really need you to unload the dishwasher. Could you just run my back or, you know? And so that changes, but that comes back to that communication as well when it, when it comes to your spouse. Now, I said something really key in that verse. It said, continue mm-hmm. in love. Because marriage is not built on what you can do. It's built on what you can do over and over and over. And it says continue to show. It's continue. So this idea, well, if I'm sweet and if I'm kind and if I'm loving, oh no, what would happen? You'd have an awesome marriage. It would be great because you get to serve one another. And really what we, 
need to see that as is we're making deposits into our relationship. We're making deposits. And the worst place to be is at that place where everything you do, because that bank account, that love bank is so low, that every little misstep, you're hitting that zero balance. That's the worst place to be. Financially, if you've ever been there where you have to sit there and you have to track every little penny, you're like, hold on a second, and don't know, and, and then, oh, we went over. Now we have this overcharge, and this happened here. And it's just like, ah! You don't want to go to the mailbox. Nothing is fun. Nothing is fun. Because everything is so low. And the exact same expense, when you have cushion, you don't even feel it. <laughs> you don't even feel it. It's not a big deal. But when there's nothing in that love bank, every bump, every penny spent, every misstep, every quarter not picked up off the ground, you feel it. And that can be relationships. But the, the way that we get out of those, those situations isn't by just thinking of ourselves. The way we get out of those situations is instead it's the exact opposite of the world, what the world says to do. It's instead pressing in more and saying, I'm going to make deposits. I'm going to make this great. I'm not going to lean out. I'm going to lean in so much more. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then don't get frustrated because you make a deposit and something comes along and you're like, oh, and, and you're like, we're back down to zero. Well, all you got to do is just keep making those, keep, keep making those, de- keep making those deposits. Keep, but the way that we do that is by loving our spouse. And what you figured out yesterday, it doesn't work tomorrow. Like that's just the joy of getting married. Like half of the fun is the minute you think you've got it figured out, it's new. Like mar- it's, it's just new and fun. It is new. And really, I think I'm talking probably more to the guys. They say guys get married and they think their wives will never change. And they do. And women get married thinking they're going to change their husbands. And they don't. We just don't change. <laughs> we the same. Like, he, he, he didn't change. Nope. He didn't. But it's, it's the joy of learning and growing and dating and continuing to date and pursue whatever that, that pursuit looks like, whatever it looks like. It's saying, this is a lifelong thing. If marriage is a covenant, if we're brought together by God, it's not something to just walk away from. If God designed it, what did he design it to be? It's a predecision of how you will treat yeah. that person regardless of what they do or do not do for you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's done before God. It's something that's done with and by God. Marriage is great. That's what God meant it to be. But it's going to take work. Every great thing does. Every great thing, every single one of them does. So it's a matter of coming together. Marriage is a covenant. And this covenant is the foundation of marriage. Though there is a legal agreement, there is. The strength of marriage comes from the covenant not the contract, not that little, little paper you signed. I did a wedding one time and the couple just took off afterwards. They gone. So I'm sitting there with a marriage license and I'm like, oh, well, I guess we'll hit this when they get back. So they get back and, and uh, they come, they're like, hey, we realized like we never, we never signed, we never signed the, the marriage license. I'm like, yeah. And the guy goes, we're, we're, were we fornicate? Was that adult? Like, what? We didn't, we didn't sign the papers. <laughs> He's like, what was that? 
And I just laughed at him, and I'm like, you're married, have a great day. And we, we signed some papers and, and, and sent them off. God designed it. God designed it to be great. But it's great when we serve one another. If you're married, if you just look and you're like, hey, that empty bank account, that's my relationship. Then don't, don't pull away. Don't pull away. Draw in. And be like, what can I do? How can I serve you? What can I do? If you catch yourself leaning out, lean back in. Wherever you are, lean back in. And like, what can I do? How can I love you more? Has, has it changed? You used to love this? Do you? What, what about what can we do? It's Revelations 2. Jesus is talking to one of the churches. And he says this. He mentions all the great things that, that the church has done. And then he says this. He says, but you have forsaken your first love. He says, stop and do a do again the things you did at first. Stop. Do again the things you did at first. There can be a whole list of all kinds of good things. But my encouragement is just some of us, stop. Look back, remember. Remember that day. Because I'm doubting anybody in here got married with a shot, someone with a shotgun standing behind them. You stood up there in front of your friends and family and they were walking down the aisle and you were like, we got this. We're gonna, this is, this is the best. I'm so excited. You were excited about it for a reason. Remember, remember from where you've fallen, if you've fallen. Do those things. That love bank, if it's empty, it just means it needs more deposits. Do what it is that you can. And the good news is, you won them over once, you can do it again. Yeah. You can do it again. Remember the heights from which you've fallen. If you're married, would you just grab, grab the hand of the person next to you? If you're married, would you grab their hand a second? Your spouse. Your spouse. Yeah, that's, <laughs> not, that's not what just, I meant. Not just any. I'm assuming you're sitting next to them wrongly. Obviously, that wouldn't be everybody. <laughs> this is about to get really awkward in here. I want to pray over all the marriages in here. Everybody just bow their heads and close your eyes. God, I just pray for every, every couple that's in here. God, couples that are separated this morning, God, you know where the other is. And we just pray right now. God, if the world has changed our view, if it's impacted our thoughts about marriage, God, we surrender it to you. God, we realize that you created marriage. You made it good. God, our desire is to honor you in all that we do and to honor our spouse, the gift that you give us. Your word says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. God, so we realize today that our spouse, that person whose hand we are holding, God, is a gift from you. I pray that you would strengthen us and help us to treat them as though they are, to see them as the blessing from you that they are. God, help us to love, to cherish. Open our eyes to see the blessing that they are. 
as we move forward, as we honor you in all that we do, in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to ask, if we're here this morning, do you know where you stand with God? I'm talking this morning about how, how God designed marriage. Well, he didn't just design marriage, God made you. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I don't know what your history is, I don't know your background, I don't know what you've come, th- come from or walked through, but know this, God loves you. He's a plan and a purpose for you. And the devil might have tried to mess it up and you might have done a good bit of it all on your own and you look back and think, I'm unloved and I'm unworthy and I'm unused and God doesn't. And the answer is no, yes, he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die to make a way so that you could be free from your past. Not only that, but that you could also spend eternity with him in heaven. If today you say, I want to be set free from my past. I want to receive what Jesus did for me. Today, I want to begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for me. You can. Romans says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross, we will be born again. It's just a matter of receiving what Jesus has already done for you. And when you do, he's going to come inside of you, create a clean heart. He's going to take away all that shame. If you'll let him, he wants to. All that guilt. When we say amen, you can be a new person and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, at the contrary, I want you to shoot your hand all the way up and say, that's me. Today's the day I'm making him my Lord. I'm giving him my life. Today's the day I start anew. One, if that's you, one, two, three. Shoot it up right now. Say, that's me. With all my heart and soul, God, I'm yours. All right, thank you. You can put that hand down. Let's just, would everybody repeat after me as we pray with those that lifted their hands from the bottom of your heart. If you lifted your hands, you say this and you make these words your own, but let's all pray this out loud together. Everybody say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me and making me new. From now on, I'm yours. I believe that you came and shed your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.